Lit from Miami. Coming to you from the heart of the 305. It's Saturday night. Chip and Captain Brunch gonna rock your ears for about an hour and a half here. We got a special guest and a whole lot of fun for tonight. And we're hoping and glad that you're here to join us. Hoping you have a great time with us as we... uh... Don't forget to boost, boost. Check out the live item tag, LIT lit, Podverse, Crypto, Crypto, (laughs) Curio Caster. Oh my gosh. You'll see it Just trying to break my heart. Yeah. Go ahead and send them sats. Yeah. Crypto, Crypto Caster. No, no, thank you. I'm Bitcoin only. You know that. Crypto caster. <laughs> trying to, you're trying to hurt my feelings, right? Is what you're trying to do. You know, I just came. You know, I just came from a Bitcoin meetup, and you know that uh, that there was a Bitcoin casher there, and of course I was triggered. So that's that's why you're saying crypto caster because you're trying to make me start this show already, like just uh, like on edge. Can you just let me relax and have a chill Saturday night, please? We do have an early boost from Eastside Tony saying, defend the network. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tony. Really appreciate you catching us live and supporting us. It really, It's really good to connect with the community and to build a community. So, so glad to have people like you out there. Um, but, you know, you started off, one of the first things you said was boost us. So, you know, it's still early and I feel like we have to, you know, it's kind of boring, but what is a boost? What is a boost? Ah, oh, it's as simple as uh, sending concentrated amount of sats. And in this case, it's going to be through your podcast app, one of those modern podcast apps you'll find at newpodcastapps.com. So what are modern podcast apps? Like, oh, well, what does that mean? It means that they support the new two, uh, podcasting 2.0 namespace, which basically upgrades podcasting with different um, tags, like the one we're using right now, the, the live item tag lit. Uh, chapters tag, uh, funding. So then uh, you could actually send those sats. Oh, sorry, it's um, value tag. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. So you said the website is newpodcastapps.com. Yes. And then what I wanted to specifically try to highlight were the ones that do streaming, which is the live tag, right? So if I go to filters and I go to supported elements and if I press live, right now it only shows Podverse, but we do know that it also goes on CurioCaster. Um, and then the other one I wanted to mention, like I wanted to say which apps do boostograms. And then that is the, is that the value tag? That's the value tag. Yep. Let me find it here. Oh, a lot of them. Uh, if you're on iOS, Castomatic oh, is a good one. Oh, they do it. Wow. There's, okay. So there's Podverse, Podfriend, CurioCaster, Fountain, MP.Money, Castomatic, Breeze, Sphinx.Chat, Boost, CLI, and Zion. So those are all apps that do... Um, Value for value means you can send the Satoshis directly through the podcast apps. These are modern podcast apps. So when I tell someone, hey, I started doing a podcast and they're like, can I listen to it on Apple? I very happily say no. No. (laughs) Like, no, it's not on Apple. It's not on Spotify. And in your mind, you're saying, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying not to like overdo it. My uh, disdain for that system. But it's it's the truth, though. Those are like gated communities. They want to control the data. They want to control the money. When really the only one who should be controlling the money is the podcaster. Yeah. If we're paying a host, like we're paying them for a service. If I'm paying, you know, if I'm paying, like I'm paying all these people to do these things to make sure my podcast runs. So the money that 
does or does not come into the podcast in the form of boosts should be up to me and it shouldn't be up to some corporation sticking in ads or charging subscriptions or whatever the kind of crazy crap they do. And in the end, the reason why that money is there is value for value. Of course. The podcaster puts out value and the, the listener finds value in that podcast or whatever it may be and they send value back. Um, you know, and I think... Like this kind of a feature, whether it's the value for value, whether it's chapters, transcripts, or a lot of the other things that are being worked on, what we, or what I at least call podcasting 2.0, and it coincides with a podcast that's called podcasting 2.0. And none of this stuff would happen if it wasn't for the fact that the two guys, Adam and Dave, are putting this together and they're not in it for the money. Yep. Very true. And I, I think this is a really interesting parallel to the foundation of Bitcoin itself, because this is something I have to argue about with people who come to Bitcoin brunch all the time. And it's the fact that Bitcoin is not like a project. It's not some uh, VC or some startup or some, um, you know, accelerated this or that or Y Combinator or all that like crap. It's none of that stuff. It was a bunch of people who believed something was possible, believed it was worth trying and believed um, and, and, and they did the work to do it. Wait, so who's the CEO? I thought it was Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah, Satoshi is the eternal CEO of Bitcoin. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but that's really one of the things that makes Bitcoin so different from all these other things, why Bitcoin is not crypto, because all of crypto is somebody's project. It's some group. It's some, some, you know, some entities that a bunch of people are following and taking advice from and, and believing in. And there's no one to believe in in Bitcoin. I mean, like some people don't even believe in Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, you can tell Captain Brutch just came from a Bitcoin meetup because he is <laughs> fired up right now. <laughs> My God, you're alive. Well, and I also drove really far. It was all the way in Davie. Oh, God. But it was, a nice, it was at a nice place called Wonder Bar. They do it from 5 to 7 on the third Saturdays of the month. And then at 7 p.m. starts karaoke. So, so when I was leaving, they were like getting the karaoke on. And that would have been fun to stay for, but uh, I did not stay for the karaoke. I came, I rushed home to do this. But yeah, it was fun. Um, it was interesting to see that there were like people who, you know, just like a Bitcoin brunch are kind of more new to Bitcoin, like more curious, like kind of playing with the crypto stuff and trading and like NFTs. This, yeah. This one guy said, he like, I don't, I don't do day trading. I do swing trading. And then I'm just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I, like, uh, buy low, sell high. Right. Like, uh, is there any other strategy in all of investing. Like there's a million ways to do that apparently. And one of them is called swing trading. And another one is called day trading, but I bet you some day traders are also swing traders. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, so yeah, so that, that was, you know, the, it was called the Broward, maybe the Broward County Bitcoiners meetup. And then you can see that on Bitcoin. Uh, you see it on meetup.com if you're interested. With the elections coming up, all I'm thinking of is swing states. <laughs> Obviously swing not state, related. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Oh, man, I don't even want to think about the elections too much. It's going to depress me. So what do we have for today? Yeah, well, so we've got a special guest coming up. And, uh, and I kind of want to introduce him through a topic first. Um, and then by bringing up the topic, it will be a good segue into why I think this person is worth talking to tonight between uh, you and I. 
Um, you know, as I've discussed and uh, been starting to document on the podcast over the last several weeks, I'm, I am, you know, uh, evolving my technological uh, usage, the my relationship with technology, the extent to which I am trying to use technology as a tool rather than as just a source of entertainment and pastime. You know, I've mentioned that I'm going to be upgrading my computer from a Windows to a Linux in the near future. Upgrade, he says. <laughs> it's the same computer, right? But I'm upgrading the operating system because I'm getting rid of a bunch of bloat and I'm going to be introducing a bunch of efficiency. Um, you know, the stage of that process that I'm in right now um, Oh, and by the way, are you looking are, like, cause we don't, we don't get the, the, the audible boosts, right? But I want to make sure that you're looking for them because we do have people who are, you know. Speaking of boosts, thanks to <laughs> DeLorean on Podcast Index, sending 6969 boosts. There it is. <laughs> Thank you so All much. All your swing talk talk. <laughs> Put my mind in the gutter. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I was also thinking about swinging, uh, all kinds of swinging swingers. All right. Delicious. Keep, okay, so keep the pineapples so in the fridge. I'm, uh, I'm at the point in my, like, in my transition where I'm like trying to, so I, I use Chrome, right? I use Google Chrome as my browser. And that's just like, ugh. you know, I mean, on so many different levels, whether it's the fact that I don't like Google or if it's the fact that, um, uh, all of the memory that it takes up whenever I open like the process manager and I look at all the tasks and I, you know, if like I put it in order by what's using up the most memory and it's always like the, the 70 Chrome tabs that I have open. Well, <laughs> the 70 Chrome tabs I have open. So, um, so I'm, I'm in the process now of saving bookmarks. Um, and then to answer Jay's question, cause he just asks, he goes, you can't send sets on Podverse. Well, you can, but you have to hook it up to an Albi wallet. So uh, if, you know, if you're listening live, you're probably not gonna be able to get that accomplished in the next few minutes. You know, just listen to us and relax. You know, you can send us boosts next week. <laughs> um, no, no, you can go ahead and send us boosts tonight. I don't care. Um, what was I? Okay. So I'm trying to save my bookmarks, you know, so like I started like organizing my bookmarks again, because I know that there are these ways that you can like save all of your bookmarks as a file. And then in an, in another browser, you can load them again. So I'm like, okay, so this is like my goal, right? My goal is to try to organize everything that I actually want to keep, put it somewhere safe in a bookmark and everything I don't really care about. Let's just close that tab, right? Like, Oh my God, what a traumatic experience. And then, uh, soon, hopefully before December, I will be ready to actually like move from, from Chrome to some other kind of browser. And, uh, you are so dramatic. <laughs> I lost my bookmarks long ago. And um, do I give a fuck? No. <laughs> now something that we'll probably talk about at some other point is the impervious browser. Cause there's been a bunch of hype about that. It's like some, some sort of Bitcoin first thing, but that's not actually what we're going to talk about at all tonight. And then on the same topic, uh, but not quite the same topic is, have you ever heard, do, do you use a password manager? I do. Um, I use one called LastPass, and I've used it for several years. It was recommended. It was probably also an ad on the show Security Now, which is a podcast on the Twit Network by Leo Laporte. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been very happy with it for a long time. But the reality is that it's a, it's a centralized solution, right? So even though they don't know my passwords because they're encrypted on their servers and only my, like only my private key can unencrypt decrypt, I think is the proper word. Only my private key can decrypt those passwords. But wouldn't it be so much better if I could like run that on my own 
like host my own passwords, right? Of like, course. Um, and then there's so many other things that like, wouldn't it be great if I could host it on my own? My solution to that is the most important stuff, passwords I memorize. All the other crap, it goes into the password manager. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, you know, so. But you're leading it to something. Of course, right? So, um, you know, last year, one of the companies that was pretty big, and of course, like I feel horrible mentioning a competitor, so to speak, but I have an umbral right now, right? Because that was pretty hypey last year. But, uh, you know, I, there's something about the umbral that, doesn't totally rub me the right way. Something like, so there was this whole thing about it being open source, um, but they don't allow people to actually change the code and like implement a change. Like you have to just propose changes to them and it's just up to them whether they want to do it or not. And so there's, you know, I, I, I came to Umbral because it was like the first one that I heard about because of all this hype around it. But, but then I started to realize, oh, there's these like other also these other options and other solutions. And one of the, the solutions that I'd heard about, um, you know, sometime last year, but especially like at the Bitcoin conference, I got to meet a bunch of really cool people is start nine labs. They have a solution called embassy and I believe it's an operating system, but our, our guest who I'm going to bring in just a moment, will be able to give us lots more details about all this kind of stuff. Um, so they have an operating system and then they also have a hardware device. And then the whole purpose, if I understand correctly, of this device and this operating system is to empower users to host their own services from, you know, their own locations. So, like, if I had an embassy running on some sort of a Raspberry Pi device or if I bought one of their embassy devices, and full disclosure, I am pre-ordered on their new embassy pro. This is absolutely not a paid uh, advertisement in any way. Um, <laughs> this is just completely like me being, why not? Well, we, well, we, we can, can talk we get to some David beer at least? That, right. Yeah. So, so <laughs> a we'll, six we'll pack, maybe beer, a bottle. <laughs> but so, you know, I am pre-ordered on their new device because I think it's really cool, but our guest is going to explain why. So why don't we figure out how to, we have to unmute his channel, right? So we're going to press the unmute button. And then I'm going to say, is everything on your computer ready? David, can you hear us? So David Croissant, if you can he hear us, please. Uh, okay, we're going to get your levels situated. Okay, and then I just want to say before you start talking, um, first of all, thank you so much for being here because uh, David's been in the Bitcoin space. He's been here for over a decade and he's worked in the open source technology sector for a lot longer than that. And um, he's been working with Start9 Labs to help people own their own data and technology. So isn't that exactly the kind of thing that I'm interested in? So, uh, David, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, I did kind of a messy job introducing you and the whole kind of idea of what we're talking about. Um, but could you just go ahead and maybe give us uh, the, the bird's eye view? What is Start9 Labs? What do you guys do? Yeah, sure. So um, there's there's a few ways we could go with this, but the the kind of very broad and um, long term vision is that we want to rebuild the internet into this model that sort of was promised to us when the internet first started, which was um, maybe not promised to us, but we sort of uh, as users promised ourselves, like, oh, this is this is going to be open, and we're going to own all our own uh, websites and everything forever, and it kind of took a turn for the for the not so good in my opinion, but we, we want to bring it back to where it's an owner operated model. And what I mean by that is that those who run the network own the network. And that starts with your data and then that moves on to the connections themselves. And we can kind of 
go down that uh, rabbit hole a little bit if you'd like to. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things I think about, and I mentioned this example all the time, is peer-to-peer file sharing and how, like, in the the late early 2000s, like 2004, five, well, like up to 2010 or whatever, when the Napster thing was happening and then there was LimeWire, there was like this possibility that we were going to be sharing all kinds of data um, freely and that there was going to be this explosion of sharing. And then what ended up happening over the course of the years was that instead we got all these silos of subscription services. Yeah. How did we get there? <laughs> Convenience uh, would be my answer to that. Uh, right. There were these shiny bells and whistles that were offered, you know, free of charge. You just give us an email address, uh, and uh, you know, off to the races. You get to use our shiny platform. Uh, what they don't mention, uh, or that they do rather mention, in a 600-page uh, terms of service that most people <laughs> just slide right through, uh, is that everything that you do, all the sharing that we, you know, we were that you were just talking about that we were going to do with each other, we instead give away freely all of our data. And that is our digital property as a way to think about that. Now, that doesn't mean something like, oh, I have a copyright on everything I own. But it's like, you know, when you take a picture, you are the creator of that piece of uh, piece of data. You know, you're the creator, so that's your digital property. And uh, what we what we started doing, you know, after these services became uh, popular was that we would just give that all away. We would give it all to these uh, big companies, uh, these big third parties. Uh, and uh, we would basically have to, you know, whenever you go back to, let's say you go to, uh, let's say you want to share a picture, right? So you go to your Google Photos or your Google Drive, yep. uh, and you put your photos there. And every time that you want to share one of those, say you want to give a photo to grandma or something like that, uh, you, you get onto that platform, and you essentially have to ask permission, right? You have to log in to their server. So that requires their permission. So you have to ask permission to access your own property. Now, obviously, there's... Uh, trade-offs and reasons that you might want to do that, but uh, at Start9 Labs, we want to help people, uh, we want to help make it easy for you to actually uh, take your data back and still have those same conveniences where you can still do the sharing uh, and you have the nice fancy platform, uh, except instead of that fancy platform belonging to a big tech third party uh, in Silicon Valley, it actually belongs to you. So how does Start9 try to address that? That's a great segue. So uh, what we actually produce is an operating system, as you alluded to, and it's called Embassy OS. And that operating system is a, an experience that is similar to an Android or an iOS phone. And what that means is that we have a marketplace. First of all, when you get your, when you get your device from us or when you build your device and putting op an operating system on it, uh, it comes with no additional software. Okay, So it comes with the operating system. It has the features of the operating system. Uh, and no additional software. So when you get a phone from Samsung or Apple, for example, you're going to notice it's going to come with a bunch of crap. Now, some of it might be super useful. You might want to have a, a note-taking app or um, you know something like that. But you also might not want a lot of the stuff. Like you might not care about their uh, particular brand of you know whatever it is, voice recorder. And oh, by the way, it uses location permissions <laughs> and it records even when it's turned off, and you know so on and so forth. So the device comes with, uh, or the operating system comes with no additional software. And then just like these mobile devices, uh, we have a, what we call a marketplace, uh, same as an app store. And so you can go into that marketplace and you can actually check this out live uh, for your listeners if, you, if you're following along at marketplace.start9.com. That's S-T-A-R-T-9, the number 9.com. 
Uh, and on that marketplace, you have one-click installs of server-side software. So we call these services to differentiate from apps. Apps are typically run on a client. Uh, and I'd love to get into the client-server model briefly, um, if we have the time. Um, but basically, you have these one-click installs of these services. And then you can run your own server-side software without any of the technological know-how or the command line or Linux administration skills that was previously required to do this. Uh, and you have it there running, and you can start using it right away. And it belongs to you. The software belongs to you. The operating uh, system belongs to you. It's all open source. Uh, only open source software is on our marketplace. Uh, so that all belongs to you, and you can use it as you wish. Or you can not use certain services if you prefer not to. That sounds great. Uh now, what about the quality of these apps? Um, I recently, now I would say the past year or two, I moved over to Graphene OS, which is kind of like, um, uh, you probably know, it's, it's a non-Google uh, Pixel OS, I guess you would, you would call it. And the main thing I noticed right away is, as you were saying, you know, like it doesn't come with a bunch of apps and you would have to download certain things. Uh, a lot of the apps were of, I guess, lower quality, especially the camera app. And that's, that's one thing that, that I really suffered, you know, like these phones get uh, promoted with such great cameras, yet, you know, a, a lot of it is really software based. Uh, uh, maybe to like categorize it a different way. It seems like it's like a user interface and um, like ease of use issue, perhaps. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, what do you think about that? Because that's—I think—that's generally an issue with open source. I know, we're, I know we're moving a little bit away from the specifics of of your thing, and we can definitely get back into that. Don't worry, we got plenty of time. Um, but yeah, what do you think about the difficulty of open source and making things usable for like the lay person and with as many features maybe as they expect? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, I think it does tie in because that's kind of the whole reason that our company was founded, right? Because. When I, so for example, <clears throat> I'll tell you my Start9 origin story, as it were. I was uh, running uh, Lightning nodes. I was running them myself. Um, and I was going through the setup, through the command line, setting up the Bitcoin node, attaching the Lightning node on top of it. Uh, and it, it was kind of a pain in the ass. And the founders of Start9 uh, were having a similar experience. Um, so we were kind of, without knowing each other, having this similar experiences. And so what they decided to do um, they got together and they decided, well, uh, you know, no one's going to use lightning if we don't, if there's no, if this is the way that it's done, right? Because you need a lightning server really, um, in order to, you know, run lightning in a sovereign way. So they wanted to put together a way to make uh, a Bitcoin node, uh, that would make, that would make it easy to, uh, host your own lightning server in just a couple of clicks. And, and then when they thought about it a little longer, they were like, well, Actually, this applies to a lot of things, you know. So it's been, a, it's been possible for many decades to run uh, your own servers. You can run them in your garage or in your basement or, you know, in your office, whatever. Uh, and you can put your own software on there, no big deal, as long as you have the administration skills, the Linux skills, the command line um, skills to do so. Or if you have a lot of time and patience, you can figure it out on your own. Um, but the, the reality is that most people, not only are they not going to do that, you know, from a practical standpoint, there's also not really a reason that uh, most people should be learning those particular skills, right? So some people, you know, um, they excel at cooking or they are, you know, engineers in a different sense or they uh, excel at um, artwork or what have you, you know. Uh, and some people, like nerds like myself, you know, want to sit in this command line under the hood, you know, and figure it out. Uh, but um, 
<laughs> kind of lost my train of thought here. I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, the original. Oh, so the the original question, right, was uh, on open source and ease of use, right? So, uh, and this has been something that I've had an eye on for a long, long time, right? So, I kind of started out my compute days. Um, well, not started out, but uh, when when the the major operating systems became popular, I became a Windows user, right? You sort of you had Mac and Windows, yeah, default, uh, right, to choose from as the major platforms. So I was using Windows and. Uh, I was continually, you know, I, I, there was the, the good old days, you know, <laughs> XP wasn't bad, for example. Um, but it, it started to continually kind of degrade, right? So they had all this powerful uh, software that was built for Windows because that was one of the go-to platforms. Um, but the experience, in my opinion, just got worse and worse. And then, you know, these things started to get added. And I was like, you know, I really, I don't want your voice assistant, you know, like I don't, I don't know what this is doing. I don't fully you know, comprehend like all your code is closed. So I can't really see what your machine, your, what your system is doing here. Uh, and I started learning about Linux and I kind of started to dip my toes and, uh, and it was, it was terrible. You know, the honest truth is that Linux was awful when I started using it. And uh, some people would argue that's still awful. I think I would, I would take a contrary position to that. Um, Cause what I've seen over, you know, the course of uh, my, you know, eventually abandoning Windows and going Linux full time and having my friends make fun of me and be like, oh, you can't run this, you can't run that. And it's like, well, uh, now after, you know, many, many years later, uh, not only can I do all of the same um, activities, not only can I run super powerful software, but in my opinion, a lot of times it is, uh, and, and this is subjective, I think it's better. And the reason that I think it's better is that it, it's kind of, it's back to like a simpler time, right? Where Microsoft Word didn't have 32 menus. Like when I pull up my word processor, I don't need, you know, all this crap across the top. I just need to be able to edit the text, you know, change the font, all this stuff. I need all those basic things. Uh, and I don't need it to bog my system down while it's doing it. You know, part of the reason that we've been moving to these more and more performance systems is to deal with, like you were talking about Google Chrome, to deal with the software you know, uh, as it's gotten, uh, bulkier and bulkier. And I, I sympathize with that a lot because, you know, I wrote, I write an essay every week for my meetup on Sundays and I write them in WordPad because that's an application that comes, you know, like you said, pre-installed on the operating system, but it uses like, it uses less bloat than, I mean, I don't, I don't have, uh, office word. Right. And I don't want to go through the process of like either paying for it or like getting Microsoft office 365 or like pirating it. I'm, I'm, I'm too lazy. I don't, it doesn't provide me enough value. So I just use WordPad because it gives me basic formatting and I save my file and I'm done. Like my life goes on. Um, so I definitely sympathize with that idea of having services that kind of like at least cover the bare minimum and, and do it solidly, but give you the most control over how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then it can evolve from there, right? There's so, it's it's sometimes good so like uh in the bitcoin space a lot of times we talk about ossification so um i use uh, a, uh an office suite called LibreOffice, uh and it doesn't change a lot you know so when i install an update uh it's typically like some small bug fixes some stability you know uh fixes and it might have like a little feature or something but for the most part i don't really need my office suite to change like we've figured out how to do powerpoint or you know um the Microsoft equivalent would be PowerPoint, but we figured out how to do presentation slides. We figured out how to do spreadsheets and and uh, uh, word processing. 
uh, long ago. And there's no reason that, uh, you know, I don't need my word processor to be connected to the internet. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm not interested in, uh, in these big tech tools anymore because they, they you know, and, and it's not even necessarily malicious, but they, they, they seem to have this idea that, like, we must progress regardless of the uh, consequences of that. So there's this, like, desire to have this always-on office system. And, you know, I would rather just have my own office suite that's on my desktop. And then if I want to do collaborative uh, documentation editing, then... Uh, or document editing, then I can use, uh, you know, Nextcloud or CryptPad or something that's specifically designed to do that. You know, um, there's this idea of uh, the right tool for the job and uh, do one thing and do it well, you know, and, and I really like that approach. Yeah, you mentioned that the, the companies just want to progress and progress when there's not much progression to be done. They also just want to take your money. And I think that's one of the main things that they're working with these larger corporations. The company I used to work for, Mattress Firm, at one point, they just stopped buying Microsoft Word. They just started using LibreOffice. And I thought that was hilarious. Like <laughs> that was the company solution. Well, because it probably saved them a tremendous amount of money. They don't have yeah. to buy the hundreds and hundreds of licenses for every single store that they have. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this is, this is a great point uh, in regard to what we do as well, because we think that not only, um, not only will it be simple, easy to use and do everything that you want, but also once you once you have our operating system, you know, which is free to use as it's open source, uh, I should also mention that we sell hardware in order to stay in business. Um, so you can purchase a plug and play device from us uh, for, you know, the, the convenience factor there. Um, but once you have this device, whether you purchase it from us or you uh, install it to your own device, um, it's there are no subscriptions, right? So you own this thing. You can continue to add software to it or remove software or whatever. You're going to continue to get all the uh, updates to it for the life of the device, similar to with your phones. Um, but there's no, uh, you know, there's no subscription fees. And because of that, it's actually probably going to be cheaper uh, to host your own software in the near future than it is to you know, pay $3 a month here and $7 a month there for all these different services or like you know, $10 a terabyte for storage or whatever it is these days. Uh, storage keeps getting cheaper, so it will eventually be cheaper to just pick up an, an additional hard drive, plug it into your own device, uh, and continue to uh, to use the same device rather than having to pay some subscription fee uh, or add uh, add data through a third party. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've certainly been very passionate about for a long time, although I haven't put my money, or should I say my actions, where my mouth is. I don't, you know, I like, I use a lot of Google services, but I, in my, let's say in the last 20 years, I've gone from admiring Google as a company and really liking them and really believing them to pretty much hating them and thinking they're the devil. So I need to get off the Google thing. And so products like what you guys are creating really appeal to me. And so I would like to ask you if you'd spend a few minutes, you don't have to skip the embassy. I mean, unless you want to talk about it, but talk about the Embassy Pro because that's the one that I'm buying. <laughs> so I, I want to hear about what's cool about the Embassy Pro. What is the Embassy Pro? I mean, because the Embassy is, uh, you know, not to discount the product, but it's like maybe more at the level of the Umbral in terms of power. And the Embassy Pro is like a whole nother level. And so I really want you to... And do you really need that power? Like what's its purpose? Yeah, yeah. And, what, and why would you need that power? Yeah, yeah. Let me quickly start with where we came from, where we're at, and, yeah, then, yeah. Uh, and then I'll dive into the pro. So, 
uh, for uh, about three years now. We actually just had our third birthday as a company. Um, we uh, have based our operating system on the Raspberry Pi, which for anyone that doesn't know is a uh, inexpensive or it has been an inexpensive uh, computing uh, platform. It's just a very small computer about the size of a, a credit card. Um, it recently kind of jumped in price a little bit due to the supply chain uh, kind of issues, but uh, uh, generally it's been a very cheap computing platform, very reliable. And so we've been using that and that is uh, pretty common to um, the Bitcoin node projects such as Umbral and uh, a lot of the others that are using that same platform. I think one of the exceptions there is Ronin Dojo who use the uh, Rock Pro uh, and that's another uh, another great company and a, and a, and a great device. Uh, but so uh, and, and it's got its pros and cons. The, the biggest pro is that it's inexpensive and it's widely available. So one of the most important things to us is that there always be uh, an accessible option, right? And so up until now, that's been the uh, Raspberry Pi. And uh, that's going to change a little bit going forward. So let me, let me talk about where we're at right now. So we just uh, released a sort of an update, uh, an updated version uh, of, the, of the Raspberry Pi, uh, what we call the Embassy One. Uh, and that's basically, it's still a Raspberry Pi, uh, but we put it in an all-in-one case um, with the SSD and there's also a power management board uh, that's included with that and some active cooling, so there's actually a fan on that guy. Uh, and that improves uh, the uh, situation for the Raspberry Pi where it lacks the most, which is namely with power delivery. So uh, if you were to try to plug a couple of uh, drives into a Raspberry Pi, and uh, say you're making a backup, which means you're reading from one and writing to the other, that's a power intensive uh, activity that was not really, uh, the, the Pi was not really designed for. And so that can cause some, um, some uh, potential issues that, uh, that we ran into early on. And so we've released this as a, uh, you know, a kind of an upgrade. This is as good as the Raspberry Pi is gonna get in its current form. So that's where we're at today. Uh, and the instructions to build those uh, are online as well. So you don't have to purchase it from us if you don't uh, trust us or our supply chains or anything like that. You can always build your own. Or if you just you know, don't want to give us money or you've got one laying around already, uh, you can build that on your own. So and we're going to make sure to put uh, links to all that stuff on our notes. So when we upload the episode, we'll have links for that for our listeners. Great. Okay, so, so that's where we're at now. And we're now at a point where we have quite a few services available uh, on, the, uh, on Embassy OS. And some of them are getting to be, you know, we haven't quite released some of these yet, but some of these services are um, they're kind of resource intensive, right? So they're, the, the Raspberry Pi was designed originally as an educational device. And so it was designed to uh, be played with in schools, for example, or educational settings where uh, it wasn't really intended to be what we're using it for, right? So we're uh, attempting to make personal servers out of a device that wasn't really designed for that. And so the, um, in order to keep the cost down, the resources of the Raspberry Pi are a little bit lower. Uh, and it's, it's actually been fantastic. Um, and we find that you can run up to about 20 services uh, just fine, depending on what they are. If you go and install all the most heavy services, you might you know, struggle a bit, but you can run a lot of stuff on a Raspberry Pi. You can run your password manager, your Bitcoin and Lightning if you'd like. Uh, some file storage, uh, so on and so forth. So it's already a very powerful device, and we're going to continue to recommend that for uh, individuals, uh, light users, and uh, small households. So maybe a small handful of people at the most uh, could use that device for communications and file storage and so on and so forth. 
uh, where we're at now is that we, we realize that if we want to have a, uh, say we have a power user, like a content creator, for example, uh, or someone that wants to run their small business uh, off of their own personal server. Or maybe a or cult a leader. a church or a community center. I'm sorry? A cult leader, maybe. <laughs> maybe a cult leader, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the beauty in the, you know, the beauty in open, um, open systems is that they're for everybody, right? So we have no control over who uses this. Um, and so, you know, it might be a cult leader, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, um, so, uh, so we, we realized that we needed a more powerful device. And we kind of, you know, I was kind of put in charge of, uh, you know, hunting around and seeing what the landscape was like. And we talked to a couple of companies, we considered building our own custom solution. Um, but we're really not uh, exactly a hardware company, right? We, we're an operating system company. That's our main point of focus. So uh, what we, uh, through some a uh, little bit of fortune, uh, we managed to run into this company called Purism. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that company, uh, but they are, um, they're really powerful in the hardware space, in the open hardware space uh, specifically. And they build a device uh, called the Libra Mini, which is on a, it's basically an Intel Nook platform, which is a small computer uh, that's uh, very common in office environments or as media servers or um, you know, personal servers for those who are putting Linux on them and building themselves type of deal. Uh, and they actually uh, open, open source everything all the way down to the firmware level. So they've ripped out all the Intel management engine, which is the sort of backdoor that Intel puts in, you know, ostensibly it is so that you can control devices in a corporate environment, uh, even if they're turned off. Uh, what it means in reality is that anyone that can access that backdoor uh, can basically have the keys to the kingdom on your device. So they go in and they dig all that, uh, they dig all that out. And uh, so we're going to be teaming with Purism to make uh, our next device here, the Embassy Pro. And this is a much more powerful device. It's an Intel uh, i7, uh, serious chip. It's got um, 32 gig of RAM, two terabyte NVMe drive, which is a lot faster uh, for storage. Uh, and uh, custom active cooling. And, and they actually build this board custom as well. And uh, they are uh, an American-based company, and they you know, understand the uh, potential issues with uh, sourcing parts in uh, China and Taiwan and so on. Uh, they're also uh, famous for constructing one of the first Linux phones. Uh, if you have heard of them, that might be why. So anyway, the, the Pro is this more powerful device that will be able to run uh, more services if you want to run a bunch of services at once, uh, as well as heavy-duty services that uh, we haven't added yet, such as media servers, um, such that you can replace Netflix with something like a Plex server, <coughs> excuse me, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, if you wanted to run, uh, like I said, a small organization, you might want to run your chat server on there, so all your communications are internal, uh, your, all your organization's passwords, file storage, uh, Nextcloud is going to be coming soon to Embassy OS, and that's kind of a, a Google suite replacement. Uh, you could do video conferencing, all this stuff. So all of that is going to be coming um, either with or after the release of the Pro here in the next couple months. Yeah, so, I mean, as I've mentioned, I have put my pre-order pre in, and because I am a Fold Spin Plus card member, I get like, I think it's like 8% sats back for buying start nine gift cards 
So I'm loading up on Start9 gift cards to pay for it for whenever, you know, my <laughs> my number gets called up. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, you know, I, I, it's just it's like the stars lining up, you know, like buy an Embassy Pro and get Bitcoin back. <laughs> I yeah, mean, uh, as great as that sounds, it's for me, it is too rich for my blood. But I do love that you guys make that available um you know as long as you have the know-how you can compile the system yourself um, get the parts yourself and just do it yourself fortunately i don't have that know-how but that path is there so i do love that that you guys do that that's truly free and open source you know um aside from yeah, that so there's an important point to go ahead sorry so there there is an important point to make there that uh you know i, I spoke er earlier about accessibility and how we always want it to be accessible mm-hmm with the release uh, of the Pro, excuse me, because the, uh, so the architecture of the Raspberry Pi is what's known as ARM, and the architecture of the, uh, the Pro is x86. And x86 is what most of us run, right? So our desktops, laptops, most of those are going to be running on an x86 platform with the exception of the new Mac uh, laptops. So the reason I mention this is that now that we're moving to x86, this all of a sudden opens the floodgates for hardware. So uh, you don't need a lot of know-how to take an old desktop that you might have laying around or that you could find on Craigslist for, you know, 20, 50 bucks. Uh, you could bring that home. Uh, you know, it just needs to have some very basic, um, you know, system requirements, obviously. But, you know, check those out first. Get the device. Download our operating system. And then you're going to put it on a, a USB flash drive. Plug it into that computer, and you can install Embassy OS on, on uh, uh, an old desktop. or a la I wouldn't recommend a laptop so much, but you can use a laptop as well. Uh, and then you can run that server for you know next to nothing in comparison with the cost of uh, buying a new device. So we always want to have that option out there, and you will be able to build your own for extremely inexpensive and still have a much, much higher uh, horsepower than the Raspberry Pi, even on an old desktop. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. But I didn't know that you guys um, were partnering with, with Purism to basically kind of clean out the gunk <laughs> from those Intel machines. I find a lot of value on that. So that's something I would, I'll definitely consider. But that's well, when I heard about that, that's really what made me pull the trigger. And yeah. Do the, pay for the pre-order. You know, it's like you, you put like 45 bucks down and then you get like 400 bucks off the, the final product. Um, it, I, I definitely think we're going to be having more uh, Start9 discussion going on in the future because, as I said, I'm going to be getting the product. And if you're willing to come back, I will definitely be happy to have you back, David. But um, we're going to be ending the conversation shortly. So I just wanted to give you the opportunity to like do any plugs or shout outs or anything that you wanted to say to close out our, our little talk about this topic. Yeah, I mean... Um you say, I've never been offered a shout out before on podcast, <laughs> but since since you did, uh, I'm going to shout out the Start9 team. And, uh, you know, that's not like a, a marketing gimmick. I say that because I actually quit uh, working for myself after having said I would never work for someone else again. <laughs> uh, when I heard about Start9 and what they were doing, I was calling them. I mean, they weren't even hiring. I was calling them. I was like, you guys need help. And they're like, no, stop calling us. You know, <laughs> uh, and eventually I saw them put up a position. And I was like, you know, you've got a position open. I'm perfect for it. We worked it out. Uh, and these guys are just some of the most killer people I know, you know, uh, highly intelligent, highly focused and motivated. Uh, and they're really putting something out that is uh, not only 
uh, very well engineered. Like this was thought out in a, in a very sincere way before it was ever started and then constructed to be not only, um, not only to last long-term, but also to be general purpose. So this was not started as a, just a Bitcoin node. It was started to really change the way that we interact with the internet. Uh, and, uh, you know, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about these guys that are doing it. So, um, so yeah, that's my shout out. And our website is start9.com, uh, S T A R T the number nine.com. And again, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Thanks so much. And again, I hope, I hope we have you in the future. Uh, that's beautiful. I, I think it's really important to be happy where you work at, you know, and, and really truly enjoy the people that really makes for some just great, anything great yeah, production. And, uh, you know, for anyone that knows me, it's like not easy for, it's not easy for me to find people like that because I'm very, um, I'm almost, you know, extreme in like this, the, 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 the way that I try to take principled stances in things and to find people that, you know, are on that level. And they, you know, this, th these devices, this system, this operating system is based in these principles of freedom such that, you know, your, not only your privacy, but your right to use your device and your digital property the way that you want is really concreted in there such that uh, we as a company, you know, we get, we, you know, there's no telemetry data, there's no, you know, there's no nothing. We don't even know what people are using these for. So, um, so yeah, they really come from a principled stance and that's something that really means a lot to me. All right. So thank you, David. And, uh, we're now going to play a little original musical interlude and we will be right back with more Saturday night lit. Thank you so much for being here with us to all those people out there in the internet. tonight my tail was just <laughs> moving of its own volition <laughs> so you know uh start nine people i've been in their telegram chat room for like a week now their their employees are super super helpful like every time some random ass person comes in there with a question you got like three different people being like oh i can help you and the other one's like yeah he can help you <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm excited about that because i don't know i i, I agreed with him about like I'm very passionate about the idea of self-sovereignty, self-hosting, of taking control of my stuff. And um, to some extent, I think that is going to mean I'm going to have to start like cutting back on my expectations of what my like experiences are going to be. But it's it's I, I can refine some other like important things in life. Um, you know, like I, I have Google photos, but I don't other than for saving my photos, I don't do anything with it. Like I never even look at the photos, you know? And it's like, well, why do I have this thing? And, and then eventually they're going to like, Oh, you're running out of space. You got to pay like a monthly fee for more space. Yeah. So I look forward to just hosting my own photos. <laughs> yeah. I went through a little bit of that when I, um, when I moved over to Graphene OS and it, it is a big change, but 
Thankfully, I was already on the kick of trying to take myself off my phone or any, you know, like years ago, I got off all social media. I never even had an Instagram or anything like that. So for me, it was a little bit easier. It was just a matter of, you know, just like you said, not having those same expectations. Mm -hmm. I was never really a doom scroller. So that's a good thing. I am a little bit, I mean, I'm not like a, a, a chronic doom scroller, but like when I do it, like I'll fall deep down the rabbit hole. And so it's something I know about myself and I try to have to try to control. <laughs> so, you know, I did mention I, I had just come from a Bitcoin meetup and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why, but like I, I had put on, on my list, like events calendar submission page, something else entirely. Should we be recommending events to people who probably don't live here? You hmm. know, because I, I remember we had, remember we had Natalia on here several weeks ago and like she was, she, you know, she does the night markets on Saturday. And, but then I thought about it some more and more and I'm like, okay, well it's in some sense, it's cool. Like, okay, we're talking about an event that's happening right after the show or it's like towards the end of the show and it's going on all night. So if you were listening to the show live and you happen to be in South Florida, you can go to this event. But probably the vast majority of people who listen are not going to be listening live and are not going to be like in South Florida. And, and even if they are, if they're not listening live, then, you know, promoting an event that happens tonight is not necessarily the, like the most practical thing to do. <laughs> That's okay, though, because it kind of like gets people to like, you know, oh, maybe I should listen live or, you know, it just it, it creates this sense of there's something I may be missing out on, you know. And a lot of people are moving to Florida, have been moving to Florida. So the chances of getting someone who's in Florida <laughs> is higher and higher by the Yeah, but minute. so I guess it's just more of a question of like, you know, if there's some sort of event that I'm interested in or that you're interested in that's happening, you know, should we, should we promote it? Why not? Okay. You know, whatever. Our damn podcast, <laughs> do whatever the hell we want. So, the, you know, so the other thing I had on here was how live should we be? And then I put, especially in the beginning, we can't, oh, and of course, like I said, we can't expect most people to listen live and maybe don't mention events happening. Okay. So this is the same point. I, I, I'm <laughs> work. I'm still, you know, my, my, uh, show note methodology is still evolving. So then <laughs> are we sexist? Uh, we have no female host. We don't. Um, does, did I transition? Does having, <laughs> does having a, does having females call in count like, and then are we racist? How many hosts do you want to have? Um, I don't know, but it's just, I feel like it's an important question in this woke age for us to be addressing, you know, like is our board of directors diverse enough? So we're going to need to start a Saturday night lit board of directors and we're going to start off with a female and some sort of racial minority. Are you worried about our ESG scores? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Because we know it's coming down the line. Well, I am a first generation American to, to immigrants. So Okay. And I mean, my, uh, only on my mother's side, I am a first generation immigrant. <laughs> we were both born here, right? Or were you? Yeah. So first generation American. Yeah. First generation. Okay. Um, but you know, okay, well we got to get a female on the board. All right. Find a female. Because I just, I remember this one time. I think I, think I saw one outside. Someone, my mother. <laughs> so I, this one, this one time at brunch, I remember this, someone was like, you don't have any women. And it was like a woman. You're like, you don't have any women at brunch. Like, where are the women? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, you're here. 
Every time I go, I usually see at least one woman. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it was an inopportune moment that someone took advantage of. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say that, but obviously in almost all fields that are like considered normal, they're dominated by men. It's the, the ones that are dominated by women are not normal. They're like women's things, right? That's like one of the problems of society. So uh, I think that's just the same kind of thing with, with something like Bitcoin brunch. I mean, it's uh, I don't specifically like try to get men instead of women. And then I do think I have like some women show up and like a good set. Uh, and I try to treat them with respect, but it is, you know, technology, finance, investing, blah, blah, blah. All this crap is like dominated by men. Could it also be accessibility in terms of location? It's not located in Brickle or yeah, like Maybe women would feel more comfortable in places like that. That's, just, that's an interesting point too. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> so is, is that depressing enough for you to bring up the topic that you supposedly wanted to bring up today? No, not really. It's just okay. It's not completely. <laughs> so, um, as I've mentioned before, I like to go on this website, stacker.news and I actually bought a shirt. I mean, a, a hat and you can't see the hat, but, but chimp can see the hat cause I'm pointing at it and it says stacker news and stacker news is really cool because it's a lightning, it's a lightning, um, like link sharing discussion kind of website, sort of like Reddit, but with lightning. So instead of upvoting people, you send them sats. Um, and the guy who runs the website, Kean, his, um, his username is Koob, and he gave 100K sats to a user called Xeus for developing a preferred fiat currency conversion contribution to stacker.news. Um, and something to do with like, you could get the, you could get the, the amount, like you could get the amount of, of, of Bitcoin you had in your account converted to like all these different currencies. I think that's what it is. And this guy contributed it to stacker.news. The guy who runs the website gave him a hundred K sats. And then he was like, <sighs> we got chimp, like just throwing things around, making a big old mess. Anyways. So the, 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 the guy who developed this little thing, he got like a hundred K sats and he was, it was Exeus and he was really surprised. He was like super thankful to have gotten this hundred K sats. And it's, it's not like a lot of money. Like if he's an actual developer, it's like a pittance, but I just found that really cute. I was like, Oh, you know, like, well, that's so special. Like, this is what, this is what Bitcoin and open source and all this stuff is about. It's about just when someone is passionate about something, when someone cares about something and they have the ability to contribute and they just do, they don't expect anything for it. And then they get something for it unexpectedly. And they're like super happy about it. Even if it's 20 bucks. Value for value. For probably like 400 bucks of work or something, you know, <laughs> like it's cute. I think it's a wonderful thing. I, do, I really am not trying to dismiss it. <laughs> that is your cue to boost. <laughs> yeah, boost. Boost us. <clears throat> so I wanted to ask a very theoretical, um, no, it's not theoretical. It's, what's the other word? What's, uh, when you ask a question, but you don't want an answer. Rhetorical. Yeah, it's rhetorical. Like as in rhetoric, like did copyrights discourage me from continuing my comic book hobby? And this came up because I was watching this video. It was um, 
the YouTube channel is called Cartoonist Kayfabe, and it's these two comic book guys, and they read comic books. So like, so you have a camera that's pointing at them, and it's usually like in the upper right hand corner, and then you have like the main camera is pointing at a comic book, and they're just flipping the pages reading this comic book. And so they read Akira Volume Five. I've seen this, <laughs> and they read it with Frank Quitely. Nice. Now, Frank Quitely is one of my favorite comic book artists, and when I was 18 and 19 and 20 and 21, I was obsessed with comic books. I read thousands of comic books. And one of my favorite artists was Frank Quietly. So they read Akira volume five and, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I love comic books. And I just wonder if the fact that I started to get more radical in my personal philosophy kind of discouraged me from continuing to consume a product that's so dependent who's who's uh like commercialization is so dependent on the copyright industry and the trademarks and all that stuff uh i mean once again it's looking at the, the like the the content creator the 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 producer of you know the actual of a say cartoonist or mangaka like okay yeah so it's it's stuck in this in this um in this system of you know, copyrights, publications, serializations, but look at the actual content first and enjoy that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's like hating music because like a particular artist, because they have some views that you don't agree with. No, it's not hating music. It's just like choosing not to consume it because of the copyright association. It's like the Bitcoin only thing, you know, um, that's it. Like, <clears throat> I'm not saying, you know, stop listening to all the bands that you like because they're a bunch of fiat whores, but it's just a thought because I feel like, especially with comic books, when, especially with Marvel and DC and these properties that are so dependent on constantly reimagining the same, like pr properties over and over and over again to make them relevant or interesting. Is there something about that that really turned me off too? Like I, I was constantly battling this, um, like this mental kind of, it's like a schizophrenia or a, a cognitive dissonance where it's like, okay, I'm reading another Batman comic and here's like the Joker for the 76th time. And he's, you know, like how many times can a guy get put into an asylum and break out of an asylum and, and so there's all these, like what they call the suspension of disbelief, you know? So when I'm reading a comic, I'm not supposed to think about, well, how old is Batman and, and the Joker, you know? And, 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 and does it matter which story? Cause like they have Canon, right? Like I'm sure you're familiar with Canon, like what, which stories are really a part of the story and which are not really a part of it with star Wars, for instance, that becomes a big deal because now that Disney bought it and they're making all these series. And so they're like, well, but which of the old things are, are still real and which are not real. And it's, it's all just stories. And, and the, the question of like Canon or not Canon, except in the case where the author is still alive and, and actively guiding the creation of this, this universe. It's just money. It's just bullshit. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I guess I was never really big into American comics. So I'm not too used to that. It's a little different with, with Japanese comics. Um, a lot of the people actually start off in these, what they're called doujin, doujinshi circles. It's basically just like 
nerds hanging out <laughs> and trading things. So like, you know, like they draw these little comics and, and uh, they'll trade these books. And it's just this, it's this more bottom up community of fans of people who just love the shit. And then eventually, you know, um, someone gets, ser- uh, um, they get serialized, they get into, yeah, obviously a, a bigger, um, publication, but it's, it never really leaves the purview of, um, of the original creator, maybe something like Dragon Ball Z it eventually did, but that guy's still alive and he's still influencing the things. As soon as the person's dead, that series usually stops. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about with like Japanese stuff, right? Yeah. Because with American stuff, it's obviously not the same. Complete opposite. Yeah. If a a giant corporation owns like the trademarks and copyrights, then the, the, the creator to some extent becomes irrelevant especially if they can make the creator irrelevant. Like if they can have the characters or the story be like with star Wars, like George Lucas is irrelevant now. He can, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. Right. Like he could be dead and star Wars just keeps going. Yeah. Even like the, the, one of the biggest franchise in Japanese comics is one piece that has movies, live action, ton of shit. And the main creator, Eiichiro Oda is still working and putting everything, you know, um, he's involved in everything. He, um, he puts his hand on everything. So I don't know if that's something that's just built into the culture out of respect. Um, I don't know if you ever heard berserk. It's been going on oh, for yeah, I saw, I, 40 years. A long time ago I saw, <laughs> and it was, it was so funny because I was watching this anime. I don't remember who told me to watch it. And it's like, you know, medieval knights and they're going to do fight some battle with some enemies. And then suddenly they get transported to like a demonic realm and just get murdered in all these horrifically, um, graphic and pornographic ways. And I was like, what the hell is this? Well, <laughs> he, he recently died. The, the, the manga was still going uh-huh. and now it's never going to finish because he's dead. Maybe well, someone will finish it, but you know, like, it's, yeah, it's not the same. Right. <laughs> uh. But that is an interesting Interesting point, um, how corporations take over. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, do we have any more boosts? We, we need to get like an, uh, we need to get an audio interface so that we hear when we get the boost. Do you have an audio interface? It's right there. I mean, we need to get it interfaced with the boost. If you know, like I'm using interface as a, anyways. <laughs> um, yes. Um, well, I missed an Eastside Tony from earlier where he said, fuck Apple and fuck Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, crapple, right? That's what he said to me earlier. You crapple. said, you misspelled crapple. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> um, no, for sure. These are, uh, I don't like these walled gardens. And so it's, it's about time for me to start, you know, freeing myself. Taking a sledgehammer and just... <laughs> it's scary and cold out there. Do you have a sweater? Do you have enough food? I mean... Are you ready for what you're going to see? Well, I think the great thing is that there are communities like the Start 9 Telegram room or once, you know, once I have the Matrix thing running, I'll be able to join their Matrix chat rooms. And there's all these people who are ready and willing to help people. And that's that's what's still wonderful about this community. We're still in that stage. Do we like, does that, does that always exist? You know, like as Bitcoin matures and grows and takes over things. I think that's a later step. Like the first step that happens is really decluttering because you're going to realize there's a lot of shit you just don't need. You know, like, uh, like, like when I mentioned to, um, to our guests 
about the camera app was complete shit. And I was like, this is so weird. I'm just used to having like a really good camera on my phone and now it's okay. Uh-huh. I, I got over it in a day. I'm like, does it really matter? <laughs> like these pictures are really just for me, just for my memories. I like, mean, were the pictures themselves as good? There was, um, it, it really kicked, um, noticed in low light settings. Uh-huh. So it wasn't, wasn't able to take advantage of the hardware as well. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's, it's all software. It really is. It's, it's just. It's processing. Hmm. That's why Apple has such great cameras because it's, it's, it's not the actual camera. It's, they know how to process it to make it. It's all it, DSP. What is DSP? Digital. Digital signal processing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, um, do you have any more music to play before we, because. We're, you know, it's, it's almost 940 and, uh, it's not a lot of time left. Yeah. That's why I didn't really want to get into my thing. Okay. We could do it next week, but that makes me want to kick you. Kick? <laughs> kick? And you're close enough to do it too. Oh, I, I, I remember what I wanted to play. Give me like a second. <laughs> this is, I did not tell Captain Brunch about this. Oh, so we, got, so we got a, a, another special for today's episode. It's going to make me laugh when I see his face. <laughs> You're going to see a face? Oh, is that so... What? I don't know what's going on here. I'm trying to talk about international current events. And uh, and I got the chimp over here running around his cage, like just throwing things around. Is this the one? <laughs> You have to. You have to tell me. I don't know. I can't see what you see. I don't know what you know. It's this one. All right, here we go. <laughs> this is a uh, Pfizer in my dreams. I do oh, it with Dame Geek Squared. Oh man, this is another original production. This is a throwback. Here we go. <laughs> stuck in my head forever i love doing that, that was so fun. so i wrote the lyrics for that song to feature on the no agenda show like th they play submissions at the end of their show and i tried to stick like at the time because this wasn't you know this was like a year ago at this point and um 
so I put every single meme that I could think of at the time, you know, like, you know, you're infectious for two weeks and, you know, we're going to have a new, a new, uh, booster every six months. And, oh man, ah, oh, it was so cathartic. So that, thank you. I really appreciate you having played that. Yeah. And that was, um, islands in a stream, right? Islands in the stream. Uh, Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, Kenny Rogers, and it's a great, you know. So you could listen to that original song. It's a great song, but yes. uh, we had a nice little. <laughs> and thanks again to Dame Geek Squared, who, um, wherever she lives, she recorded on her phone and sent it over. Yeah, that was such an effort. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, and you know, I, I hope to do some some more stuff like that in the future. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I like I like making music. It's it just it is a lot of work though. So the uh, the topic, you know, uh, I'm not going to keep talking about this every single week, but it, the reason I'm talking about it this week is because at the United Nations, Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador, he kind of like repeated the speech that he had done on the El Salvador Independence Day. And, um, you know, he was basically arguing that, uh, that his country should have the same rights to self-determination as other countries, but... El Salvador has put tens of thousands and then, oh, okay. So this is what I was, I wanted to talk about. So he said that his country should have the same rights to self-determination as other countries. And I'm contrasting this like, but El Salvador has put tens of thousands of suspected gang members in prison in the last few months. And he threatens to starve in prison gang members Jeez. if they don't like if they don't get the outside gang members to stop committing violence. And so the question is kind of like, do the ends justify the means? Um, I've seen reports, you know, they're, it, it seems to be a bit indiscriminate. Like they're just rounding people up like tens of thousands of people putting them in prison. Um, with the purpose of being able to tell the world like, Oh, well we're, we're decreasing violence. But I mean, I don't know how much they actually decrease violence. So that's just, it's a little bit worrying to me. And I'm interested to see what the long-term effects of that are going to be. Like how long are they going to be able to sustain a growing in, you know, prison industrial complex? And is that really the future that we want to see in El Salvador? <laughs> I guess they're taking after us. I mean. Yeah, which is a sad, <laughs> sad. <laughs> So the way he explained it, though, and it's kind of interesting. So he's like, all right, so we had a big civil war, and I'm sure the civil war was supported by the United States or encouraged or instigated. And because of that, thousands of people left the country and moved to the United States. But because of the way the United States works, a lot of these people ended up in poor neighborhoods where they got pulled into the growing drug trade, the growing gang problem in the country. So uh, they became gangs, right? The, these, El, these Salvadorans became gang members. And then in the 90s, Clinton like apparently rounded thousands and thousands of these gang members up and like shipped them back to El Salvador. Get the fuck out. So then, but so then the, they like, sent all these gang members to El Salvador. So then it forms like the MS 13, 13. And there's like another, there's another one too. And so that's what his argument is. It's like, you know, we, we don't really have another way to deal with it other than just like, let's just throw them all in jail. Uh, good luck. Um, I will definitely, would you prefer mass murder? Uh, no, obviously. How does one deal with that? I mean, honestly, Decriminalize drugs 
to start with. But is that the issue? Is is it because they're all doing drugs that no, they're, they're being tossed in jail? Doing drugs, like they are. Oh, they're just continuing the trade. Yes. Okay. So, like, they benefit from the illegality of the drug trade. So, if the drug trade becomes not necessarily, I mean, legalized or decriminalized, then it, you know, like free market forces can then start to eliminate the need for violence, eliminate the need for like the gang or organized criminality of it. And it could just become, I don't know, like business. <laughs> you know, I mean, we've got all these businesses all over the world that don't need to kill people and murder people and, you know, like just terrorize entire countries. Yeah. Mexico is a prime example. You have these giant cartels that just take over the country basically and just divide it. Yeah. And so I, I feel like we would significantly disempower them if we opened up the drug trade to free markets. I'm not saying that I support drug use. Um, I definitely think from a public health perspective, drugs should be treated as a health issue. And then that is, that is probably the only responsible way for societies to handle drug abuse problems to, to consider drug use like a criminal problem. Well, then you get this situation like in the United States where we've got hundreds of thousands of people in jail on nonviolent drug charges. And what a big waste of money that is because we pay for all of that. So supposedly to like keep our society clean from the drug addicts, we have to then put them into a prison system that is full of drugs and violence. I wouldn't say it's a waste of money. It's just not benefiting us. Someone's, <laughs> someone's, someone's <laughs> benefiting, benefiting, right? Well, obviously a- the gangs are benefiting. The prison industrial complex is benefiting. But the, public's, the public is not benefiting. And it's not like resulting in less violence. Like if there's less violence in society, it's not because of our prisons. It's, it's despite the prison system. Yeah. The wheel turns and we're just underneath it getting crushed. So did I ever tell you this crazy story about the time I watched? Oh my God. What was it? It was a, it was a movie that was based on a toy line called Bratz. No. Bratz were these like, Toys geared towards women, girls, young, yeah. you know, like children, girls, like teen girls or whatever. And there's, and so the movie was basically a diverse group of preteen friends or they're not preteens. They were teen friends and they were going to their freshman year of high school. So they were all best friends from middle school and there was like eight of them. And it was the gamut. Like you had the black girl, the Asian girl, the, like the preppy girl, the, the tomboy girl that, you know, they were trying to like fill in all the quota things. And so they get to high school and vice girls. Sure. (laughs) And then as soon as they get to high school, like they, they have to go to like this check-in desk and at the check-in desk, like the, the school president, like the school government president will then look at the student and be like, okay, like you have to join this click and you have to join this click. So what happens is that these eight girls who were all best friends in middle school are now basically told by the system, you can no longer be best friends. You have to join all these different clicks. And all I could think of in regards to what the plot meant, because this was a movie for teens, is that this was like a, a, an analogy for the prison system. And it was like, you, you go into this system with whatever kind of, um, goodness you might have, whatever kind of like normalcy or respect for fellow humans. And then you go into this system that 
churns you and grinds you and rips you apart and puts you back together as like this racist, violent, hateful, desperate human being. It reminds me of uh, JFK, John F. Kennedy Middle School, where I went to, but when I went, it was okay, you know, Uh, but my brother went there 15 years before me and he would tell me exactly that, like you had to join some clique whether it was, you know, it was the black guys, it was the Spanish guys, it was the white guys, but you had to be a part of the clique because if not, you're getting your ass beat. That's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's sad that that's, that that's what our society spends money on as justice. What was that? What was that weird noise? Oh, sorry. He would also sell weed to his homeroom teacher. So (laughs) a different time in the nineties. Oh man. (laughs) Different time, a different place. That's for sure. Uh, good days. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, man. So I'm, uh, I did this weird thing and this is, this is a quick one. I I must've told you about it already that I bought a bunch of tools from Germany. Nine. Okay. So so it's a pretty short story. Basically I'm in, I'm working in the plumbing department right now at a shipyard and I need pipe wrenches. And so like I went to Harbor Freight, which is kind of like Home Depot, but not. It's a little bit like more like cheaper than Home Depot. And it's the dollar store of the Home Depot. It's the dollar store of home improvement. (laughs) And they had, they had these pipe wrenches that were aluminum and aluminum is cheaper. I mean, is is a lighter. It's definitely not cheaper. It's lighter than steel. So I'm like, oh, you know, let me get these aluminum pipe wrenches from Harbor Freight because I need them for work. But then, so I bought a, like three of them in different sizes, small, medium, large, took them to work and I used them a few days later. Like I used one of them and it was just like horrible. It's like, oh, this is such a cheap piece of crap. So I'm like, let me get like a good one. All your coworkers make fun of you. <laughs> you went to Harbor Freight. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Man, don't even get me started because my coworkers all use tools that they got for free from like people who left them in the shipyard or, or someone gave it to them or they found like, it's, I don't, it's unbelievable. These guys have like the most expensive tools and they don't even realize that they're expensive, nice tools because they just got them for free. And I buy all my tools and they're like, oh, you're constantly buying tools. I'm like, yeah, because I haven't been here for 20 years already and gotten everything for free. My dad was a machinist for like 40 years and he has a ton of tools with names. You know how people like extra names uh that are not his his name. (laughs) But people just left. Yeah, exactly. Like this is guy whose desk is right next to me and he's got a tool tool cabinet and it says Lee on it. And I'm like, Ozzy, you're not Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, I noticed on some of your tools. Tools. It says Lee. And of course I know who Lee is because when I worked in the mechanics department, there was a bunch of stuff over there that said Lee also. That's all on Lee, man. Lee well, needs to get over here and get his damn tools. He's, uh, he's probably <laughs> passed by now, but, um, yeah, you know, your dad should definitely sell me tools if he wants to. I love buying tools. <laughs> I'm, re- I, I'm, I'm really, I'm a horror when it comes to tools. Like I, I'm so, it's been many years. A lot of them have like rusted. I guess you clean uh-huh. them. I'll clean them up. <laughs> no, I'll keep them. Don't worry. My love. Oh yeah. So anyway, so I was, so the aluminum rigid sells a bunch of, and this is, you know, obviously I'm not paid by rigid to say I'm not buying rigid. They sell aluminum wrenches. They're expensive. They're not quite as expensive as these Knipex German Swedish style pipe wrenches. 
So I'm like doing research. I'm like, okay, I need to buy pipe wrenches. Where should I buy? What's the cheapest place to buy? Like, I'm like, oh, man, all these nitpicks look really cool. And I found some web forum conversation from 2012 where some guy was like, oh, you know, certain tools, if you buy them in the country where they're manufactured, they actually sell them cheaper, like on the websites in that country than in here. And he's like, so if you buy like Nipex on Amazon.com, de for the german amazon website or if you buy like certain japanese tools from amazon.japan it's like huh okay so yeah, it's, it's just a shipping you got to pay for yeah so i'm paying i think it's 80 bucks worth of shipping so even paying 80 bucks worth of shipping i'm buying like a bunch of tools and i'm going to save 150 bucks wow versus buying them here what does that say about <laughs> <laughs> now the euro is also crap right now exactly. so like the euro, it's like one euro is 98 cents. This is nuts. Now, obviously, I was only going to buy three. I ended up buying like three pipe wrenches, like the small, medium, large, then plus a bunch of fucking pliers, a bunch of pliers because they're very, pliers are very useful. So when are you going to get a giant van to house these tools? Um, I don't know yet, Uh, but apparently vans aren't that expensive. So, you know, who knows? Uh. I don't have nowhere to put a van right now, though, because I live in a condominium building. We only get one parking space per unit. That doesn't stop everyone else. I know, but I don't <laughs> want to be one of them. You know, like, I, it's, it's, this is nuts, right? So we've got we've got 80 units in the building. Every unit gets one parking space. So that means that there's 80 parking units plus each side of the building. There's an east and west side. They get 10 guest parking spaces. And there's almost never guest parking available. So obviously like a whole bunch of the apartments have two. Some of them have three cars. And uh, here I go again. I'm another, I'm a NIMBY again. Like you made me be a NIMBY on the show. Not in my parking lot. <laughs> yeah, not in my parking <laughs> lot. So like I have to put up with these people with two or three cars. And the rule is you can't leave a car in a guest parking spot for more than 24 hours. So what they'll do is they'll like go. They'll... <laughs> Pull, they'll take their other car, pull up right next to the car that's in the guest spot, pull the guest spot car out, take their other car, put it in the guest spot, and then take their car, put it in their spot. And they just do that every single day to just keep, you know, to make sure that they have a spot. And it uh, drives me crazy. I don't know if you've been to Sunny Isles recently. No, I have not. For those, Sunny Isles is a city on the beach. Yes. For those who don't know, it's, um, it's, like, it's a smaller community. But it's the first city north of Miami Beach. No, it's the third city because you got Bell Harbor. You no, know, you got Surfside, Bell Harbor, and then Sunny Isles. Okay, so it's a popular tourist spot, um, especially for a, a lot of Russians. But it's you know it's it's not a lot of space, but mostly apartments, mo- mostly um, condominiums. But the parking's okay. In the last year or so, literally, you go down one of the roads, like North Bay Road or something nothing but cars lining the street. Like that's the new parking is parking on the freaking street. Uh-huh. So like what changed? Like are, did, are there more people moving into the houses or, I mean, the houses, what are they called? The, 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 the condominiums? Mm-hmm. Like what, or are people getting more cars or are friends coming through? Like, I don't know. It's really weird. I've, I've never lived in Sunny House, but I've been, but my friend used to live there and I've been there a couple hundred times in the last, you know, and it's never been like that. So I'm trying to figure out what it is. Well, if you do figure it out or if you meet someone who knows, you make sure to fill us in. Um, 
Yeah, you know, parking is an interesting thing. Obviously, in like a city or an urban space, we have cars and we need to put them somewhere. And in like very dense places, it can be a problem. Now, are there regulations to how many parking spots a certain building needs to have? Well, that's something that's like, so that's a part of zoning, planning and zoning. There's a school of thought that argue to have like no minimum parking because I mean, there's all this like circular reasoning. Oh, well, like if, if, uh, if we put less parking spaces, people will depend more on public transportation <laughs> and Uber and things like that. But so obviously they're going to depend more on Uber and things like that because who the hell is going to use public transportation? Like no one who can afford to live in sunny aisles is going to depend on public transportation. The people who clean their toilets yeah, they depend on public, but they don't live in sunny aisles. They they take a bus there from somewhere far away. Indeed. So, yeah, you know, parking minimums. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, another thing is like minimum size. So they've been, I've seen like, I haven't been paying too much attention lately, but not too long ago, let's say like a couple months ago or within the last half a year, discussions about allowing more uh, micro units in like downtown Miami. Uh, so not unlike the kind of things that they have in places like Japan and other very, very dense cities where you have like the absolute minimum of amenities necessary for a residence and you're expected to do everything else in other places. So like no kitchen. Jeez. <laughs> kind of, kind of situation, you know, like, uh, like a walk-in closet kind of thing. <laughs> like, okay, you know, you can fit a fold-up mattress and uh, and a microwave, maybe a mini fridge. But that's that's what people are 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 getting pushed to. I mean, I'm glad I live in a house, even if it's a shitty house that floods and leaks. I'm glad I live in a freaking house. But you rent. Right. And I don't mean to dox you, yeah, but um, how do, do you rent. feel about that? Because this, I think this is something we're probably going to talk about next week some more is the, like the quandary of ownership. And I wish I had bought eight years ago when I was thinking about buying, <laughs> but the prices were going up. Oh, let me wait till they go down. Oh gosh. So like maybe <laughs> that next never year happened. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause at least the word on the streets is that next year we're supposed to have a housing crash. I'm more interested in the interest rates going down because I'm not going to be able to buy outright. Um, so the so how does that happen? That's I, We'll have to get some economist on the show in the next few weeks. Like, okay, so if the Imagine Fed is all, raising yeah. interest rates, how do the interest rates, like what does that mean for consumer interest rates? Because that should drive them up, shouldn't it? I don't know. Yeah, because when they dropped the, the, the interest rates down, the mortgage rates were super, super low. And thankfully my parents were able to refi at that time and got a great deal, but that well, changed. So like a year and a half ago, they, it was like, it was still below 4%, I think. And it, it went as low as two point something percent for many people. Mm -hmm. um, but they were still going up before, they were going up before the Federal Reserve raised interest rates. So this is why it's, you know, like the complexity of the economy and why I, I hate having to, I hate the fact that certain decisions, like the decision of when to buy a house and where to buy a house to like live in is so dependent on all this crap that has nothing to do with just like living. And it's just like, we got to run the, the economy and the world and we got to balance employment 
and inflation, which is the, the two mandates of the Federal Reserve Bank. Well, definitely something to talk about next week, especially if we have uh, Jay on. Any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I like to think I'm a pretty normal person. Um, you know, like I, I feel like most of, of, of me is normal. But, you know, I work in uh, in a shipyard. I work on these yachts. I, I have to get into, like, these strange positions sometimes to, like, reach things, uh, to turn wrenches and get to bolts and stuff like that. And, and, you know, sometimes when you're when you're you're putting yourself in weird positions and you're twisting and turning, like, I don't know, I feel like it, it, things move inside of you maybe in ways that they did they don't normally. And and so it's there's been occasion where I'm stuck in a, some sort of situation on a boat and I, I have to fart. And, you know, if you're if, if it took you 10 minutes to get into the position that you're in, you're not, you don't usually have 10 minutes to choose whether you're going to fart or not, especially if you're in such a position where like you have limited control over your self. But I don't know. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's just a fact of life. Like you're going to fart sometimes. And if you happen to be working on a boat and you can't leave, you know, it's it, it, whatever happens, happens. But, you know, apparently, I'm not so normal <laughs> because my coworker the other day, <laughs> he, he, uh, had a few, was it audible? No, that's not the right word. <laughs> oh God. What's the one where you can't hear it, but oh, silent, but deadly. Yeah, sure. So he went as far as to recommend, uh, flatulence pills for me. <laughs> The question is, what are you eating? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, the, and are you having enough fiber in your diet? Uh, maybe not. But I, I don't know. Like, is farting really that abnormal? But I mean, if it smells that bad, then there's. <laughs> I don't. Uh, he, yeah, he seemed to. He seemed very emphatic about. I mean, think how about bad it. it. You're, you're on a boat. I'm guessing you're like. There's already a lot of smells going on. <laughs> the ocean, the oil. Not, not a lot of good. Um, uh, what do you call it when like the air, air circulation? Yeah, there's like not a lot of good air. So things tend to sit for a while. I mean, it's a it's a window into your stomach. Like with my dogs, I'm always looking at their poop and its composition, how how um, together it is. And I'm very proud that they have great poop. I'm very very His proud dogs of that. Have fact. Great poops. So. Um, Hey, they, yeah, they so can't if, tell you otherwise. If anyone can make any recommendations on how I can, I guess, make either stop farting without dying or to make my farts smell less bad, then, you know, you will be really helping my coworker out because <laughs> he has to, he's subjected to, I guess, some unfortunate situations. That, <laughs> we bid you. Thank you. It's, it's, Good it's, night. It's a Saturday night. Lit. Thank you.